BMW. The 77%. Hello and thank you for joining us here on the 77% show, the program where youths across Africa are given the voice to discuss issues affecting their day-to-day lives. Today, our focus is on the politics of coup d'etats in Africa. We would be getting a cross-section of views from young people in Uganda. Corruption is so endemic in Africa, that's why there's continuous coup d'etat overthrow everywhere. In my own opinion, coups are not the best way. Let us vote. Let us have independent institutions. And what about a country like Zimbabwe, which suffered a coup just four years ago? Has it been a blessing in this case, as youths had hoped? Coups are a good thing, but I think our experience in Zimbabwe has shown that they are not the answer. The situation in Zimbabwe wasn't changed and improved the way that, that the coup government said it would. I am Alex Jitter coming to you from Kampala, the capital of Uganda, and I will not be hosting this show alone. I will be with my colleague Mimi Mefo in Bonn, German. Right, Alex, we can hear you loud and clear here in Bonn and across Africa. I will be keeping tabs on what our listeners are saying on the social media. To start off, Alfadio Jalo writes on Facebook saying, Coups are better than having dictators in power. We also have this reaction from Dimbeyi Oscar, who says that youths may rejoice not because the coup changed their lives, but because they have at least seen a change for the first time. Some of us, he continues, have known one face and one name as president since we were born. The same faces as ministers and in other key government positions. Hmm. You can already see that it is going to be an interesting debate. Please feel free to drop your comments on our Facebook page, DW Africa. The resurgence of military coups in Africa confirms the failure of democratic processes in meeting the leadership demands of the world's youngest continent. As many disenfranchised young people applaud the recent successful military takeovers in Guinea and Mali, the question is whether this is likely to become the new approach to leadership change. What does this phenomenon mean to young people aspiring to lead their countries in the future? To dissect this topic with me, I have journalist Kenneth Rukwago, uh, Perry Aritua, Executive Director at Women's Democracy Network Uganda Chapter, uh, Michael Aboneka, a lawyer with Thomas and Michael Advocates, and Roderick Ariho, a fresh graduate from the university and now on a job hunt. It's time for a debate. Yeah. Let me start with you, Kenneth Rukwago. What impact have all these calls had on young people? Well, I- indeed, Uganda went through a number of military coups in the past, but one would say there was no any serious impact on the side of young people because uh, you would still see that the main participants in these coups were people who are actually uh, very old and already established. Let's give an example of uh, Idi Amin. He was already an old person. Even the people who helped him around were old people. But 
the impact I would actually say was simply the jubilation that came with it, where most of the women and the young people were observers of what actually went on. And um, so to speak, that remains to be uh, one of the tragic issues in our governance up to today, that uh, young people, women, who form the majority of the population, are always observers in every such situation that takes place. We still see the victors or those that are benefited from the coups implementing almost the same policies that have always kept the youth behind. Perry, uh, Kenneth doesn't see much impact on coups on, on young people. What do you think? Uganda has gone through a number of military coups in the past and it and it's true that these coups have had an impact on young people. If you look at the NRA coup in 1986, for instance, a number of child soldiers were recruited to fight against the Obote government then. So a number of them missed their childhood and uh, were really exposed to violence at a very tender age. Uh, So we have a generation that did not have its childhood as a result of the coup in 1986. Secondly, coups disrupt the peace of a country and uh, it makes it difficult for the country to focus on economic growth and the social growth. Coups have an impact on young people because it makes them live in fear, it affects their mental health, it affects, it disrupts education and we know what that does, you know, in terms of uh, skills development, it becomes difficult for a country to develop if it's affected by coups. Okay, let me bring in Michael Aboneka here. Michael, I have heard some people in Uganda saying that Uganda is ready for a coup. <laughs> but uh, are these coups a blessing in this case? Coups beget coups. In Africa, we've had many coups. We had about 35 in the previous decades and about 16 in our decade, the current decade of the young people. They are always selfish. They will pretend and say, we are coming here to change. But in the end, they will consolidate their power. They will want to rule forever and hide behind, you know, majority civilian support that the the civilians love us. The threats to suspend, sometimes the perpetrators of coups tend to remove dictators only to impose new ones. And that has been the case. Okay, before we hear from our young listeners across Africa, Rodrik Ariho, what do you think about these military coups? As a young person, I'm not a fan of coups because usually during coups, things tend to go bad because we always have bloodshed, people dying. I just wish there was another way to avoid bad governance besides having coup d'etats because every time we've had a coup in Africa, there's always bloodshed. We always have people, we always have people losing their lives. I just wish we didn't have presidents like that. I just wish we had uh, young-minded people who know what's happening around the world, who understand that bad governance leads to a lot of things going wrong, especially for the country. So for me, coups are a no-no. Oh, well, let's take a short break and read out a few responses from our Facebook page, DW Africa. But first, let's hear from young people in Zimbabwe. Four years after the country experienced a coup, ousting late, long-serving president Robert Mugabe. Coups are a good thing, but I think our experience in Zimbabwe has shown that they are not the answer. The situation in Zimbabwe wasn't 
changed and improved the way that the coup government said it would. We've seen in hindsight that it was merely, you know, merely an, an in-house squabble being settled by the, the use of guns. It is. It was simply Mnangagwa replacing Mugabe at the head of ZANU-PF. And it's been to the detriment of, of everybody. The situation has clearly deteriorated. The corruption and nepotism and incompetence has gone, has carried on unchecked. The repression on uh, voices critical to government has increased. Coups destroyed uh, democratization. It's a curse. It's a curse on Africa. And in as much as in other countries, the military-assisted transitions, they have failed to benefit most of the youth. But in Zimbabwe, it's also a different case because we've got the huge chunk of youths who are scattered in the country, who are accessing opportunities, especially in agriculture and others in mining. Though the pace at which that is happening is not what the ordinary person might be expecting, but there are quite a number of opportunities that are coming out in there. Yeah, I don't think coups are the solution to Africa's problems or the problems facing young people on the continent. I think if we take the example of Zimbabwe, the coup in 2017 was uh, was popular because people were extremely frustrated with Mugabe's leadership. But what it has uh, in effect done is uh, is entrenched those patronage networks, which has meant that a tiny elite continues to exploit the country's resources. I think that as young people, I think we need to to recognize the power that we have as a collective rather than looking to the military to bring change. I think we need to rather look to ourselves. Those are young Zimbabweans, they're reacting. The 77% is a program for young Africans. And on our Facebook page, DW Africa, youths are given the platform to debate freely. This comment came through from Rene Chang, who said that the military helped Zimbabweans to get rid of an old goon only to end up with a shark. What's very important now is what happens next when the military man leaves that post. Will the process be free and fair? And will youths vote have proper representation on how they want to be governed going forward? And Caesar Lemmy writes saying that I, as a young African man, I am not in support of the coup. However, our old folks take us for granted and want to enrich themselves and their families while leaving millions in abject poverty. And on top of that, he says that they want to prolong their stay unconstitutionally by amending constitution in their favor. And according to Chabu Cham, as a young African, I can't celebrate coups. But what is clear is African leaders must stop manipulating the constitution. Well, feel free to drop your comments and we will read them whenever we can. Meanwhile, our colleague Ben Shemang also caught up with some young people in Nigeria, one of the countries in West Africa which has not experienced a coup in decades. Let's hear from them. A coup is a plot against any body, authority, like a government, against the government by the followers. Soldiers, they are not trained to rule. They are only trained to defend the country. Well, I think people feel grievances for lack of development. People feel that uh, 
the democratic leaders have not developed the countries and given the citizens what is really necessary and bring development in their various countries. I think that is what is a triggering course in Africa. And lack of equity as well in the distribution of resources. Some people feel they are not carried along. Some of this culminates into some people deciding to take up arms. Coups are not necessary in Africa. Actually, everywhere we need peace, we need unity, we need all what it takes to make a government or an area live in a peaceful coexistence. Coups is not the solution. The ballot paper is better than the bullets. I wouldn't say it's part of Africa, but uh, with the system we practice in Africa, corruption is so endemic in that. That's why you see people trying to straighten up, see if things could get better in Africa. That's why there's continuous coup d'etat overthrow everywhere. Because I still remember the case of Sankara, one of the West African countries. When he came into power, everybody liked him, but there was a, a palace could have pulled him out. And since then, that country had been experiencing series of coups. The economy had been falling out, the decrease or uh, in the decline. It seems or appears sometimes to be a good solution to the corruption that's rampant and that has eaten deep into the African nations. It usually has bad and unfavorable outcomes. Having heard from young people elsewhere, let's get back to Alex Jita in Kampala, Uganda. The country has gone through free coups in the past, and Alex went to find out what that has meant for the young people. Thank you so much, Mimi. In this second part of the debate, we are looking at the impact, the role and the future of young people in military takeovers in Africa. Let me start with you, Michael Rabonica. What role have young people played in these military coups? We've seen young people take on coups in Africa, like Jerry Rawlings. The guy was only 31. He led two successful coups in Ghana, and Ghana is a better country. We had Thomas Sankara in Burkina Faso. He was 33 years, but he was helped by young people. You have Gaddafi, who took on a coup at 27 years, but governed by dictate until 2011. You know, he was in power for 42 years until he was taken out of action, as they say. So the question is, Gambia, Jame, he was 29 years old. He overthrew Dauda. Jawara's government in 1994, he ruled by decree with his friends, and in 1996 he set elections, and they made him a civilian president. Those are a few examples of the few young people who have taken on other governments through coup and established a process of governance. Kenneth, uh, is this the new normal in Africa? Do you believe that this is how most governments are going to get changed through military coups? Looking at what has been happening in West Africa, you can really agree with that particular statement that uh, military coups are becoming popular. Uh, you look at what happened in Chad, you look at what happened in Guinea, you see the population coming out to jubilate and embracing the soldiers that have actually carried out the coups. And this is because people are continuing to see that uh, the popular idea of uh, democracy or a vote determining who should lead a country is becoming useless and as a result some people who are continuing to stick around uh, with their body policies as leaders are aged out by military coups and it comes as a relief 
to many citizens, especially the young people who want to see progress. And yet most of these long-serving leaders continue to block their uh, progress. Well, thank you. Uh, Perry, we are winding up this debate. Um, is this likely to change? Right now, I'm a bit skeptical because following the 2021 elections, I mean, the standards for holding free and fair elections were largely not followed. The right to participate peacefully, to vote for a leader of one's choice, you know, were hampered by violence, by killings, and really by intimidation and threats. So it becomes, as much as elections are supposed to be the one way through which peaceful transfer of power is done, I'm a bit skeptical. And that's why we must go back to the drawing board and really discuss how we peacefully transition uh, using the elections that have been taunted as the best thing to hand over power from one government to another. Michael, uh, finally, what do you think we as young people should be pushing for? In my own opinion, schools are not the best way. Let us vote, let us have independent institutions, and let us change. And data is there. Countries that have had political and democratic transitions are doing better. So we need to have that in place. Let us have independent electoral commissions, let us reduce the presidential power, because that's what makes them dictators. So we need to remove a lot of power from the presidency, strengthen institutions, have parliament work, dependent, you know, independent, and then we will have uh, democracy, governance, and stability move on. And it's good that African Union vehemently condemns it under Article 23 of the ACDEG. So as young people, let us be more proactive more active in the politics, in the governance of our countries, and we shall see proper results. And let us hold these so-called leaders accountable. Thank you. Well, uh, it's an interesting topic that we cannot exhaust today. Uh, the debate can definitely continue on our Facebook page, DW Africa. And I want to thank my panelists for joining us today. Um, I had Perry Aritua, thank you very much. Michael Aboneka, thank you for joining us. Um, Kenneth Rukwago, thank you for, so much uh, for being with us today. And Dorel Rikariho, thank you. And now I hand over the microphone to Mimi Miafo in our studios in Bonn, Germany. Thank you so much, Alex, and many thanks to everyone who participated in this debate. That's all we had time for in this week's 77% show. You can listen to previous editions by visiting dw.com forward slash Africa. For more content on the 77%, please check out our YouTube videos on DW Africa 77%. And on behalf of the whole team that made this show possible, including my co-host Alex Jita from Uganda, my name is Mimi Mefo. See you next time. Oh, 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 oh,